All right, hey, it's Alex back with another episode of the Hogwarts podcast. Um, this is episode number 20. Um, I'm actually going to be flying solo today. Jake is not with me, but I've got Alfie. He's a guest today. So, uh, Alfie, uh, good to have you on. Um, we just literally talked like a minute ago. Um, and you know, we're fairly, fairly new to each other. So I think this is quite cool, um, format though. Like when you don't know someone, it's like, you're getting to know them, um, and your kind of audience is getting to know them at the same time. So, um, yeah, maybe just like, um, introduce yourself to our audience and give yourself a little background. That'd be great. Sure. No, thank you for, for having me, Alex. I, I feel hyped right now. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, ready to work. Um, it's a cool brand name, by the way. Um, so yes, my name's Alfie Wattam. Uh, I am uh, an entrepreneur, a podcast host, a an author, a speaker. I guess my area of expertise would be around kind of technology and, and the future and uh, digital trends and, and that sort of thing. Um, I own uh, and operate a technology uh, recruiting staffing company where we power businesses um, with the best uh, UK software engineers across the market and allow them to scale and grow and achieve success in in all different areas whether that's artificial intelligence to the metaverse to blockchain to fintech and edtech and saving the world and beyond so um i guess my my businesses and um platforms are all kind of based around that that, that premise and then outside of work i have a, a wife i have a tiny baby i have a dog oh, based in london yeah man, and uh that's me you're busy busy man um I think it's this is really cool actually because you're the first guest we've had that um is kind of focused on people um and 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 recruitment and hr and like we'll we'll get into that in a bit but this is really cool because most of our guests are like uh typically on the marketing side like because we're you know we're uh we're me and myself and jake like we, we talk about marketing 24 7 we work in marketing so it's really good to kind of uh get into people um and um did you study like uh, psychology at school? Because I know a lot of people like they do psychology and then that leads to like like people yeah. related work. I did A level, um, but the the type of stuff that you are taught, in my opinion, in the like education system is is for the most part almost outdated the, the minute that you graduated yeah. so yeah. i wouldn't put too much of the um of the results down to down, down to that unfortunately i think on the on, on the people side it is I had a very different career before I did my uh, tech business in that um, most people don't know this. You have to kind of dig around a little bit online to find out. But I was yeah, a, I was right a special <laughs> magician. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I performed magic on TV shows like Britain's Got Talent and had my own television show and traveled the world performing at parties and events for uh, just, anyone just, from just to back up there. So you literally went out on stage in front of like Simon Cowell and like all these guys. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, uh, oh, yeah, I did that for, um, I think I was 15 when I did that one. Uh, on, on is it online? Is there a clip of it online? You, you, I you can find it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there's, there's, I might need to yeah. overlay this on the video. <laughs> Go for it, man. Add, add some B-roll. Go for it. Um, what I, was that like? <laughs> it was nerve-wracking, scary, but in a way, really exciting and, and, and interesting. I think I've, I've got to this... Um, came to this realization I, I tweeted this out that the other day Alex or already X'd out rather as, it, as it's called now um where if I'm not doing something which is like 
incredibly challenging or stressful, then I find myself in like a crippling state yeah. of boredom. Like I, I have, like, I can't sit around anymore and just watch TV shows or a movie. I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing the phone. I'm trying to, I'm trying to go on Notion and look at business ideas. I took a little break from work this afternoon and I was uh, listening to Walter Isaacson, the guy that's biographied the biography jobs. And yeah, Lex said that one. And uh, he literally said the same thing about Musk. He said like the guy can't sit still. He can't um, do nothing. He has to be doing something. I think that's a, that's a quite a good uh, personality trait. Yeah. I don't know if I could compare myself in any way, shape or form to (laughs) Musk, but um, hopefully one day. Um, But uh, yeah, I think, I think if you look at any person which is doing well in their domain, whatever that is, I think one common habit and trend will be an urgency to get shit done. Can I I swear on your podcast? Yeah, man. Well, I I already have. We we drop (laughs) F-bombs like every week. I think um, if you have somebody that's delaying stuff and delaying it and delaying it, yeah, Alex, yeah. like that's a good indication that that something's not going to be you know, work so, out. So the, so the magician stuff, like that was like from your personality, like you just wanted to keep busy. You want to, did you want to like, um, I guess you were an extrovert in some way, like, you know, to perform in front of people. Um, was that kind of like a personality trait or did you have to kind of force it? I think, I think I've always been naturally good at just getting on stage and speaking to people um even if i may not be the best at it i i i've never had the the, the fear it's like the number one fear if if you ask people what they're most scared of in life i think public speaking is above death like people are literally more scared of standing and speaking than, than they are scared of uh of dying whereas with with me for whatever reason it's um it's one of my favorite things to do so um Wow. You know, maybe born that way. I, I think everyone's scared of speaking. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people. A lot, a lot, a lot of people are. But the the magic stuff, man. It, it it was like it was a hobby which spiraled out of control. I I got into it really young <laughs> as a kid, and I think most kids they get like a magic set for Christmas or whatever. And um, I just like started to get better and better and better at it. And then I was booking, you know, a party and then an event and then a wedding, and it was getting bigger and bigger each time to the point where I started to do stuff on, mm-hmm. on TV. And it would have been fun to to perhaps do it as a as a, as a career, but I, I mean, it's not like being a famous musician where you can yeah. make you know millions of pounds. Like you, can, I can probably count on one or two thing or hands how many yeah. musicians are out there that make I was a lot thinking of money. About that. Yeah, David Blaine. Yeah, he's Blaine's up there. Yeah. Copperfield, Penn and Teller, Dynamo. And that's basically it. And then like everybody else is like not making a lot of cash. So it was a very fun thing to do, but in order to have a, be a provider for, you know, wife, kids, have a great life, you know, build something. It's, um, it's a little bit hard to do that in that, in that lane, unfortunately. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's like pre TikTok era, pre IG, like there's a lot of guys blowing up doing this stuff now. Um, I guess different era then because you couldn't really monetize anything right it was like difficult unless you no 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 so when i I, i've been posting on youtube for probably over 10 years like some of my early videos is like back when like the ad sense you know the partner thing was paying you out like almost nothing compared to what it pays people today so different different time man it's um i feel i feel like in 2023 you can almost take any skill monetize it and make a make a lot of money from it um a little bit different 10 years ago 15 years ago um yeah um and so basically uh did you you went to uni i guess um where did you go to uni i briefly 
went to London School of Economics through uh, the ULIP. So I was studying, I was traveling, um, didn't finish. I, I think I came, I came to a point basically, Alex, where I was being taught this business and economics and, and, yeah. and management information. I, I and management I, as well, business. It yeah. was a four, four year party, man. Like, honestly. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's it was, exactly it what I was very, yeah, <laughs> You, the stuff that you're taught on how to run a business is being taught by people who have never run a company before. Correct, correct, yeah. And I, I was I was making more money on the weekend than 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 perhaps they were making and I hadn't I didn't know what they supposedly knew as, as professors, right? So I um I very quickly kind of wanted to give entrepreneurship more more of a try than like yeah. the traditional, you know, corporate route. So, so so you didn't jump into corporate at that time. You actually kind of started so did, doing I, your own stuff. No, I, I well, I, I kind of was an entrepreneur like as a as a kid, really, with the magic because that's you know me running my own company, being paid to perform at events and conferences and that that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Then I went into more traditional corporate life. I spent five years working for a a massive recruitment company, a business called Hayes. When I started, oh, I was yeah, a trainee. Hayes. Yeah, I've actually worked with Hayes uh, in my corporate career as well. Um, I was trying to fill some uh, some positions with Hayes. Um, so yeah, no, that, that's a good company though, Hayes though, right? Like I hear a lot of oh, it's, positive it's things. It's an excellent like... company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I spent five years there, um, started as a trainee, didn't really know anything about, about recruitment. Um, you know, owe a lot to, to them because they trained me how to do it and they, they showed me the ropes. And, um, did you, pick, did you pick recruitment though? Was like, was it just like, a the job presented itself or were you just like kind of thinking, oh, this could be a good career, like people. So when I was doing. Yeah, I was, I was doing the magic and I was getting multiple requests to do shows in different areas at the same time. So I'd be in London doing a show and I'd get a request to do one in China or I'd do one in New York or I'd do one in Australia. And I couldn't physically be in these places at the same time. Yeah. So I'd, I'd hire other magician friends of mine to do the gig. I would then take a cut of that. And then by accident, I built up a magic recruitment agency, essentially. Really? Um, That's very interesting. That's a so great niche, story. actually. Like it, like it, having it, having it, the resumes of all these magicians must have been a, a good business actually. <laughs> well, it, it it seems like a great niche, but when you really look at the logistics of of the business, a um a magician is working on a Friday night for an hour and a Saturday night for two hours, so it's not as a uh, cash flow recurring as, as it may may seem. So when I switched to guess, I guess doing more technology recruitment, that's a little bit yeah. more um, profitable because somebody can work, you know, 50 hours a week rather than three hours a week, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, um, especially as the tech economy is getting so big, like it's, you know, all the biggest, most probable companies now are tech companies, right? So you yeah. kind of were in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, myself and Jake, like we, we worked in tech industry for five, six years as well. So it's like, I feel like our generation, like it was that, that was like the most obvious kind of sector to go into, um, you know, um, yeah. especially after all the, the shit went down with the financial crisis. And, you know, I, I worked in oil briefly for one year, but of course the oil industry completely crashed. So Tech, tech was booming, like uh, 2015, like 2016 is when I entered tech and until, yeah. well, until today, basically. So I think you're kind of riding a wave as well, the same as us uh, in that field. I think it's it's important like to do things which have the wind at your back. Like if you could 100%. be the hardest working person in the world, but if you're trying to build like 
I don't know, like a newspaper or like, uh, yeah. you know, some physical shop which sells shoes or something. I mean, like yeah. you're in the wrong yeah. game. Like pick pick a winning race. I mean, like you can 100%. be the best driver in the world, but if you're in the wrong car, then and it's broken down and it's, you know, it needs an oil change, you know, getting like an electric sports car or something, that's clearly the future. Yeah. And so were you, um, like, were you... Uh, were you working across like all different tech fields or was there like a specific one that you kind of focused on? I've, I have been always recruited software engineers. Um, it's kind of been my, my bread and butter and, um, and helping companies, I, I suppose, just grow and scale quickly. Um, you know, and, and if they would secure funding, for example, and they need to, you know, go from a small team to a proper business, I'll advise them and help them do that and then get them the right people that they need to kind of go on that journey, really. And was doing that as a trainee for, for Hayes for five years. And then after a couple of years, I started getting more involved into management and, and leadership. And then yeah, he's kind of fast track people. I know that um, the girl I work with, she yeah. was telling me, like, they're really good at that, like, um, what do they call that? Like, uh, there's like a corporate term for that, like uh, career development or something. Yeah, like, career development, professional development, whatever the, whatever the yeah, terms. Yeah, yeah. But they 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 do fast track people quick if they hit their targets and and if they um you know put their hand up for a bigger and more, more yeah. exciting challenge. I think when, when I finished there, I was managing fifty six people or something across you know a, a business which was doing you know millions of pounds every single year we had people in yeah. london we had people in i think the biggest team i had was in london but we had people all across the uk people in ireland yeah. people in india and i was you know a 20 i think it was 25 or 26 when i finished that role um so it's it's not common for people that young to, to manage teams that big but companies like hayes are, are good at that sort of thing and i'll give them credit for you know uh giving people um the challenge if they're willing to do it yeah, no, the girl, the girl I work with, she was doing, uh, um, you know, we worked, we worked in the South China. Um, I'm not sure you know, but the Shenzhen, like consumer electronics industry, and that was really yeah. booming. And then that girl got promoted to like uh, head of Southeast Asia. She got moved to Singapore. So oh, I nice. was like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Actually, that company, um, you know, they did a great job. So then, so yeah, you're managing like all these people. Um, and you're probably getting a decent salary. So like, why, why did you leave there? Why did you want to start your own business? I think it, I really missed the entrepreneurial side, you know, even though what I was doing prior was pretty small scale. Um, I, I just liked the idea yeah. of being in charge of the vision, the strategy, yeah. not having to report to 50 people. Um, yeah. So the, itch the the urge kind of was there for many years it was something that i wanted to do for a while um covid happened um not a great time to to start a recruitment company during covid so yeah. i kind of waited for, for covid to be over and then uh and then launched just over a year ago now yeah so how so if you start if we look at alpha like from the very beginning like recruitment is like a super competitive industry right you've got like um, you know, we, we, we actually work with a freelancer, like on our side. So when we're, when yeah. we're working with people in our company, we try and, uh, work with a freelancer and that's like one, there must be millions of these people around the world. Um, and then you've got like small little recruitment companies. There's a lot here in Hong Kong that, um, like send me a lot of stuff on LinkedIn, like, uh, you know, trying to yeah. hire you. And then you've got the haze and you've got like, 
I think it must be one of the most competitive industries in the world um, across so many verticals. So like, where, where do you start with recruitment? Like, or in, in people, like, how do you um, define yourself like in that environment? I think the best recruiters really, really focus on their network. Um, you know, it's it's what I call an inch wide, mile deep approach. If you try and be a generalist and try and recruit for everything, like I can recruit developers and I can recruit an accountant or a lawyer for you, then you'll, you'll do everything poorly. Like it won't be very good to the service, the quality of the candidates. They'll be the first people that apply to jobs on the, on the job ads when you put something up. I think the best recruiters, they do a very particular area and they do it really, really well. So if you say that you need to hire somebody with, you know, skills X, Y, and Z, paying between this much money and this much money in this location, this type of personality, they've worked in this type of industries. If you're a specialist, immediately I've got five people coming to mind, which which could be a good fit yeah. for it. So, and it might seem like that's five minutes of work, Alex, but really it's it's five years of work because I've had to build that network in order to, to, you know, amass, you know, those connections and get to that point. So I think regardless of what type of agency you're working at, whether that's somebody in their spare bedroom or whether that's a huge business like Hayes, the company matters a lot less than the recruiter and how mm -hmm. deep their network is. Because ultimately that's what com uh, you know, a company's paying for when they're looking to hire somebody. They just want the best yeah. person, regardless of where they're coming from. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I think every business, like we started marketing and, and, and tech marketing. So like we use our network for that. Um, it's obvious, right? You you gotta you gotta leverage your network. Um, but that aside, the go to market kind of strategy, um, there's so many ways you could approach this, you know, like um and I see it um in, in, in the recruitment marketplace, like some people um invest a lot in like a fancy website, a lot of people like you know, like pump LinkedIn, um, a lot of people like have a lot of offline stuff. Uh, how did you like find the right go-to-market like channel to like find customers for your business? I always see um, marketing as you really need to be like an octopus. So you need to be tentacles everywhere, man. So, you know, if I was, if we talk about sales and marketing for, for a little bit, if, I, if I'm trying to build a list of clients who, who want to work with me, um, I guess I would have, you know, a very simple value proposition um, in exchange. It costs this much money. Here's what you get. Here's how we do it. Have that all laid out nice and clear on like a website, which, which I have done, and then build out a list of, I guess, what you'd call your avatars or, or people that you'd ideally like to do business with. And in my case, for the recruitment business, that's uh, founders, CTOs, and heads of software engineering. Um, that have teams already of developers, ideally like between like five to, you know, 100 plus people yeah. that, that are working for them. And then I would, um, you know, use like a customer relationship management piece of software to to be able to track all those, you know, between cold contacts, warm ones and, and hot ones. This is, you know, ba basic sales stuff, but it's stuff that um, often gets overlooked. And then I'd just be doing the octopus strategy in terms of being everywhere. So maybe your, you know, one tentacle is your, you know, liking and engaging with their LinkedIn content. Another tentacle is the same method on, on Twitter. Another tentacle is they're on your um, newsletter and they're getting an email once a month from you. Another yeah, email must be really phone. big for recruitment, like, because literally that's how people are passing around their CVs, right? 
Oh, I send I send thousands of emails a day, yeah. but I I I send free emails a day, but they go to thousands of people because we use automation tools and yeah, yeah. Uh, and and lists. So, um, yeah, I mean, email. I don't think email will would replace um, if I if I had a choice between social media and email, I'm still picking email because email is. Yeah. Yeah. It is what people will uh, will make a purchasing decision on. Very very rarely um, will they make a decision purely just based on a LinkedIn message. You, you kind of need mm-hmm. need to hit them from multiple angles, if, if that makes sense. There's a lot of nuance as well. Like when you think about like e-com or some kind of product business, like like social makes sense because people can just click through or tap and buy. But when yeah. you're in the business of people, there's so much nuance, right? Like screening people files um you know like um there's just a lot more kind of uh bits and pieces to kind of uh, connect the funnel right so i guess email yeah. is like the perfect uh channel and I, I think a lot of people um a lot of people kind of uh they get kind of upset about the uh the atr you know the no not atr the the applicant tracking software ATS. like with ats or ats um what what what's your what's your take on that like because that was supposed to like automate a lot of the the process right um i'm not sure you guys use that in your business but like i i used to get frustrated as hell like trying to do the the ats stuff i remember i tried to apply for a job at hsbc and Mm. i spent like half an hour in this thing i just gave up um yeah what's your what's your take on that I think 99% of, of ATS systems being used by companies, they have no idea what they're doing because you'll upload a CV <laughs> and then you've got to retype all of your information out again. Yeah. Like, hey, what score did you get on the CV? Like, why, why am I typing this? So my, my advice to companies would be um, either don't even use one, just put an email address and get people to email you their CV yeah. or do it through something like LinkedIn Jobs or, or something like that, which has a pre-built one, which is simple. It's it's easy to use. Try and make your price actually. That that like one click. It's like the Amazon one click thing, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's why I linked in a massive. Yeah. But then I suppose they probably do get a lot of rubbish as well. You do, but you can turn on screening questions, Alex, and it's something that I recommend people do. If you post a job on, on LinkedIn, then after people have applied with their CV, they can get a predetermined question which you have written which could be something like do you have two years experience yeah. with this technology if they click no then their cv won't be sent to you it, the, the filter yeah. will stop it so a simple ats works much better and setting up screening questions is like the holy grail to save yourself a lot of time you know cool and i don't i don't want you to give away your like secret sauce of your internal uh procedures processes but like so that's the the ATS stuff and LinkedIn. That's all external, and you know, you you might one of your clients might give you a mailbox, right? And you get the the applications. Mm. Um, when you were designing your business, like, h- how did you think about process? Because we think about process a lot in our business. Like, there's always ways you can improve it, make it slicker. Um, have you got some kind of like magic box for recruitment, um, or is it not that? <laughs> I think it's it's not as um, magical as one might think. To, to be honest, it's recruitment is about gathering candidates through through two main ways. Really, you have um, kind of candidates who are proactive; they're looking for a job, they're proactively applying. So you write an advert for a position that then goes through an aggregator, so that gets posted onto all the different 
potential um, job ad platforms. So you write it once, it goes up on all of them. Those applications then once again get aggregated back to your database of people who are then on yeah. your database and you own that data, you can store it, you've got their CV. That's how you get people, um, I guess, that are looking for job proactive, um, who are you know proactively searching. Then you have more reactive, passive talent who are not necessarily looking for a job, but if you call them about something amazing, they might be open to it. And if you've got somebody on your database from six months ago that applied, they might have found something, but they might not be happy in that new job. So it's a case of reaching out to them, cold calling them and trying to sell them on an opportunity, whether that's on the phone, whether that's on, on LinkedIn messages, like finding people's profiles and messaging them or Twitter DMs or events or conferences or, or meetups. So you really need to do both to, to get the right people. But I definitely would say the best people are more passive because they're already yeah. really good at what they're doing. Like they're in demand. Like why, why would they be looking for a job if they, if they were like really, really good at it, if, if that makes um, sense? Yeah, no, that does make total sense. So here's a question for you. If you had to pick one, would you call yourself a recruitment company or a technology company? I'd say we are a tech community, which makes all of its money through recruiting people. So I guess on a, on, on the company's house official form, we're, we're a recruitment yeah. agency, a specialist yeah, yeah, recruitment yeah. company. But we, all of our client attraction, uh, the vast majority of our candidate attraction for the most part nowadays comes through the media uh, properties that we do, whether that's the hundreds of podcasts yeah. that we filmed in our studio, whether that's our monthly uh, newsletter magazine that we produce, yeah. um, you know, and whether that's the events that we run and so on and so forth. So I think it's really hard in 2023 to exist and not have a big part of your business as a digital media company. So we right. are just by by the nature of the, the times that we live in i guess yeah i mean if you look at all the the kind of the case studies of like successful companies in like our era especially with like things like uh web3 and ai and all this kind of new technology it's it's all community driven right like i, I yeah. was i play around with uh mid journey you know like the uh ai design tool and like yeah. it's yeah. it's unbelievable like it's it's a whole company that's just built on a community of people like there's like I think there's like six or seven like core staff. That's it, and there's literally like a, millions. So they of got people. eleven people as far as I yeah. know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm sure the number will be, will be different now. But last time I heard it was eleven. And then um, and then yeah, like the way that they've set it up, you're, you're absolutely right, Alex. It's like a Discord like UI. Yeah. So that community is like integral to what they do because when other people post the prompts you can see what what keywords yep. they're using so you can steal their ideas and, and put that into your own scripting when you're writing your own prompts yeah. which is why it's you know there's no tutorial needed the, the community yeah. is the tutorial that's why they've blown yeah, up the other one the other one i was thinking about um i was on i was hiking at the weekend and there was a girl and she was uh she loves notion and like that that was another product like it's just driven by the users right like they're literally posting their notion docs and then sharing all that kind of goodwill with like even non-users like uh it's kind of wild does that does that kind of play into your thinking with uh, alpha like do you are you trying to build like systems to sort of take advantage of that or um yeah what's what's i guess how what's the best way so far you found to harness the community like is it a particular channel or is it like you know is there anything uh noteworthy 
I, th I think that it's even simpler than that because of Alpha being more of a service company rather than a product company. With, with something like Notion, which is fantastic, which I use every single day, you know, it's, it's a software product. Whereas with, um, you know, so it can do those um, like examples that you mentioned there around here's my Notion templates, et cetera, et cetera, download yeah. them. With, uh, we, we also use our community to get new candidates, new clients, but we just do it through referrals, really. So, mm -hmm. you know, if if, um, if somebody is able to recommend a candidate that we can then place into a company, you know, we'll, we'll yeah. happily give them, you know, a thousand pound as a referral, mm -hmm. you know, bonus. Same thing with, with companies, if they can refer us to other businesses looking to hire. I would say that more than 50% of our business probably comes through referrals and recommendations at, at this point so um you know you're absolutely right that community part is so important um we do it a little bit different like as a service company in terms of how we use that 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 to scale but um yeah, yeah i mean it's it's equally just as important regardless of like what you're trying to sell right like you need the community yeah and if there is uh we, we often ask guests like if you had to pick one channel like one social media channel um you could only use one, like which one would yeah. you uh, use? If you had to limit it to social media, I, I'd probably say LinkedIn yeah. because um, yeah, with, yeah. with LinkedIn, it's it's got the jobs, um, which which is you can't have a recruitment business in 2023 ah, without a LinkedIn yeah. page. It's, it's just not, not really possible. Um, okay, say, I mean, say LinkedIn's I, allowed. You could have two. LinkedIn is one. It's got to be X, man. I, I've yeah. X has been the app which I've checked every morning, first thing that I woke up, and and probably the last thing I've I've gone to bed. Uh, yeah, X is X is awesome. I think the, the cool thing of X is like, um, it's just the pure reach of it. Like you can literally just target anyone. Like I think Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, they tend to be quite cliquey. Like like everyone's like in groups, right? Facebook, everyone's in a group. LinkedIn, everyone's in some kind of group or circle. I think Twitter is the only, or X, the only one where you can actually just like send out a message. It could go viral and then, you know, you've got that huge reach. And I think the good thing with X is you probably say the same, like you just meet, you can make friends, like real friends on it. Uh, I don't think the other ones, you, it's all very sort of fake, right? LinkedIn is quite kind of fake in that oh, yeah. people are kind of uh, grandstanding and, and IGs, you know, very about showing off your, your lifestyle, whatever. Um, on Facebook, no one really uses it. Um, maybe, maybe there's an argument for TikTok, especially uh, among Gen Z. Like, you know, you, you can kind of build a following very quickly. And a lot of people kind of say like, oh, I can, you know, I can learn a lot on TikTok and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, I think X is, X is a good one for growing a, like a, a business, you know, like trying to increase your reach. Um, have you, in terms of like uh, the recruitment side, like, um, have you like source candidates like quite frequently using X or yeah, I mean, like, marketing side? I'd say LinkedIn is, is probably a hundred times more powerful for that just because of the amount of filters that you can apply. You can select yeah. what industry they're working, how long they've worked there, who, who else, you know, that the they know. Reason I ask that is because you might've seen the, the new, uh, what's it called? Job cards on, on X. Yeah. I, I've seen them. They're, 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 they're it's okay. It's a step in the direction, but I mean, they are nowhere near the the, the power of LinkedIn from that perspective. Um, yeah, you know, it's got it's think, got a very different they, use case. For me. Do you think they could get there, like because their user base is probably on par with LinkedIn, I guess overall. Could could that be like a potential platform? I think um, if if Elon wants to do something, 
he is the kind of guy who can make it happen, whether that's yeah. putting man on Mars or doing probably more for climate change than any individual in history through, through Tesla and the EV movement. Um, yeah. You know, whatever he sets his mind to, he, he seems to, to eventually in the long term do it. I think, you know, he's had Twitter now for what, a year? And people, his critics are looking at him going, oh, he hasn't yet, you know, completely transformed it into the everything app he's, he's failed but i mean these things take time it took him years and years and years to yeah. build his other companies i mean give the guy a chance to uh to, to turn it around but I already think, think only, you know. there's there's a flaw though like linkedin is real identities right on the most yeah. part it's real the problem mm. with x is there's so much fake identities like it's not real identities. so well they're, they're trying to fix that the verification thing yeah you know it's not perfect. But if, if if you're a company, you're trying to hire people on X and you have this job card and you could get like so much, you know, random people, yeah. big bots, like applying to you. I think they've got a, I think it's a work in progress, right? It, it looks kind of half-baked from what I've seen. Um, yeah, I've, I've only yeah. seen it a little bit, uh, Alex, but, it, but it, it's, it's obviously like, like I said, it's nowhere near the power of, of LinkedIn yet. I if you were a company, I wouldn't recommend spending much money on on that yet. It's it's very yeah. surface level. You kind of need um, the, the the for the same amount of money on LinkedIn, you'll get a lot more right now. Yeah. So what's your what's your like um, overall ambition with the business? Like, do you do you, can you imagine like um, selling it one day or like what's the what's the goal? I think a lot of what I do is very uh, separate, but vertically integrated that they help each other out. Podcast helps out the recruitment company because I have guests on the podcast who are clients and, and potential clients and that, that bleeds over into business. Um, you know, when I'm doing speaking or, or, or writing or whatever, once again, they're, they're all integrated. People on the podcast could then, you know, be featured in, in a bit of book or a newsletter or, or whatever, or in fact, you do a talk. So even though they are, they are separate, they do complement each other quite nicely. So um, it, it would be hard for me to sell the the recruitment business with the other stuff combined because you know when you have a podcast it's your face you know what what happens then do you do you work for them but you're still delivering it so i think if i if i was yeah very very personal and it would mean that i'd need to um uh just sell the recruitment part which is which is absolutely doable and and fine and then i can the podcast everything else can continue on it on its own um but it's not something that i've really thought about um anytime soon i just I'm keen to keep building it and um and then who knows one day you know never say never yeah. but uh for, for now you, I'm you happy hear these to... stories like um people sell businesses and then they they buy back another one like or they start another one in the same industry right and then the I remember the Disney guy like he quit he's like I'm done and then like he came back like a year later like I think once you have like a passion or like a real interest um like why you're not going to stop doing it right you're just going to keep doing it otherwise you're not going to have a fun life you're not going to enjoy yourself you know yeah there's only so long you can spend the beach um you know it's just i think people that start businesses have this kind of perspective right like disney's a perfect example uh, because bob biger who who um the person is he talking about he he finished disney and then he wrote 
a book talking about his his life and his his experience and everything. And um, he's still, I mean, he's, he's an old guy, but he's not old, old. He's not, you know, he's not dropping, yeah, yeah. you know, anytime soon. So I remember when he published the book, yeah. I remember thinking, this guy's going to be so bored. Like he's going to, he's yeah, got another, yeah. you know, 10, 20 years and he's going to be doing what? Yeah. So the fact that he came back really, really, I could have predicted that. Like, like he was going to be yeah. doing something else. You can't just retire if you ran Disney. I mean, come on, you, yeah. you, you 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 got to be a hungry person to run Disney. Could you um see your like yourself um like a point in like uh, I I was watching a video about the there's this company represent um clothing they're like a fashion brand in Bolton I think and the guy said that um he he got a professional CEO in to run things and he said like since then it's become be- even better for him because he can focus on like things he really likes to do, like not, yeah. you know, not some of the boring stuff. Could you imagine doing that? Maybe, or, no. but I think professional CEOs are a little bit risky. You know, it's like these business gurus who try and tell you how to run a business and yeah. they've never actually had a business themselves. Um, I think you just would need to be very, very careful when doing your your kind of vetting and i think for a ceo it's much better to promote from within because you have somebody yeah. who understands yeah. the company the culture the team the vision the road map and the challenges whereas getting somebody from uh, outside it can be really risky there was a good book on this good good to great by um i think it's jim is it jim collins or jim collins, collins yeah yeah, jim I, collins, I, I, yeah. I, I think i started reading that and then i, I stopped for whatever reason it's a big book yeah. <laughs> well yeah, one yeah. of the chapters was about um uh, external CEOs, at least I think it was good to great that, that talks about this from, from memory. And um, yeah, I think for the most part, like internal promotions worked much better when you look yeah. at it in terms of the data behind it. Yeah. I mean, you look at, look at Apple are going to launch this new iPhone tomorrow. Like yeah. I was on the Apple website uh, today, just randomly. And I was looking at the executive leadership and they've all, of course they've been at other companies, but they've all been at Apple since, you know, the 1990s, like they've been there forever. And I think that stability is often overlooked in a company, right? Like having a team of people that, you know, have been there a long time and, you know, they're internally promoted, you know, from different levels in the company, it, it kind of leads to like a really strong organization, right? Yeah. I mean, when, Especially was, when compared to like these companies that switch out the, the leadership every year. Of course. I mean, before Tim was chief exec, he was CEO for many, many years and he yeah, had other roles yeah, yeah. beforehand. I can't remember if it was when he became COO or became CEO, but the story from, from what I've been told was he was in a helicopter with, with Jobs and Jobs turned and looked at him and said, I'm, I'm making you COO or I'm making you CEO, whatever the promotion was. It wasn't even a conversation about, do you want to have this job? He'd, he'd been at the company long enough where he, yeah. he knew all of the IP, he knew what needed to be done. So it was it was just a natural evolution, like, like this is what you're going to be doing next. And he was like, okay, yeah. cool, you know. Yeah. But then on the other hand, I'm thinking, yes, it's good to have people that stay at the company and internally promote, but then you do need fresh blood as well. I'm sure you've got that in your business, like, having like interns join or having like outsiders join does bring in like fresh ideas and perspective. So I think I mean, probably a balance, yeah. right? So often, man, like you, you could be super experienced at a particular thing, but you're looking at the problem from the wrong angle and you, and you could be yeah. obsessing over it time and time again. Whereas if you just get like, a complete outsider to go, Hey, what, what, what do you think? Like a lot of the time they'll give you a really naive <laughs> answer. Yeah, even, even, but, 
even though it's a basic answer, it's oftentimes the right answer because they're not looking at it through the lens of all the experience that you've been given. So it's um, all, all earned and, and, and built up yourself, right? So, you know, you might not, it might seem like a basic answer. It might seem, seem really simple, but oftentimes that simple is the best and, and they've got, you know, no bias behind their opinion. Yeah, no, that's good. No, it's really good that you've uh, uh, got a really good business and you're kind of happy and that it's such a nice position to be in. You don't, you're not kind of, uh, I don't know about your uh, invest and in, investor side or if it's fully kind of, you know, you own the business and it's self-funded, but it's great to be in a place where you're not in any rush. You can just like build your business and, you know, you, there's no, there's no need to kind of make any decisions. So you can kind of just see where it goes. Yeah, of course, man. I mean, I to answer that, uh, that that point, I fully bootstrapped it. So I was I was lucky enough to save some money from my corporate life, and then um, you know put some of that into into starting it. Yeah. Um, but it's um, didn't really start it with much money at all. You only need a, a couple of grand to to start a recruitment company. There's not many overheads, yeah, thankfully, yeah. involved. It's uh, it's more about yeah. the, the time that you put in and the network that you build, really. Same with marketing agency, just yeah. get clients, get, you know, get things going. Cool. Um, yeah. So that's, that's fantastic. Alpha, any, um, kind of, uh, other kind of things that you're interest, interested in, like in the future, like any, um, any, any spaces, like we touched on like, um, mid journey and like AI and like some of the social stuff. Um, could you see yourself like branching off into other things or is it all Did kind the- of, uh, the AI stuff is is obviously the biggest technological shift that you know we've seen in our lifetimes, right? So, yeah. it, you know, part of you does want to suddenly go and create an AI company tomorrow, right? So, I mean, that's what everyone is is doing. Yeah. I, I had uh, Harry Sebbings on my podcast recently, who who runs Twenty VC, All right, cool. and he, yeah, he's an awesome guy, and he was saying that eighty five percent of AI companies raising money today will probably turn out to be nothing in like a year from now so and i think i think he's absolutely right i think the majority of successes in in ai i think will be companies integrating ai into their existing um structure and, and processes and, and how they operate Workflow, yeah. mm-hmm. like, like we have with, with alpha so you know we, we're using a lot of ai tools to screen cvs and mm-hmm. um you know chatbots for interviews and, and all, all different types of things in order to save time and and, and money so i think that use and application of it will be a lot more successful than like the 50th chatbot being released this year you know after we've already got gpt and bard and everything um mid journey is obviously great but it's a little bit different to to, to my field um yeah, i think great, the, the next step there really though alex is um is text to video because we had text to text with gpt we had text yeah. to pictures with mid journey next we're gonna have text to video like pretty soon you're gonna be able to type in what you want to watch and it will create a Netflix quality TV series based on your prompts that, that you want, right? So what happens to YouTube? What happens to Prime Video? What happens to TV? Like these are gonna be like really interesting points in the next one to three years, which which are gonna completely revolutionize entertainment, like text to video. I, I, need, I need to get uh, Jake on uh, and you next time. Jake's really into this uh, like generative AI field. Like he's, he's investing a lot of time in that. Um, yeah. personally, I'm taking more of a, you know, I play with chat GPT, um, but a mid journey a little bit, but I'm not, it's, I'm still like in the, I think a lot of people are kind of like behind the curve, you know, like, um, 
it's it feels like AI is only like a, in terms of like real use, like it's a very small percentage of people are actually using it on a daily basis. I don't know the the numbers, but um, you know, I don't think it's super widely adopted right now in terms of. Uh, but well, I mean, of course, people are using it. And they don't know, right? Yeah, they're using your tools or they're using LinkedIn or something. But uh, I think, yeah, it's not kind of in the mainstream as people like as use AI like to think it is. It would so, be hard to do like a, a poll on like the general population and get a result. But I do have a result from like my community on, on, on LinkedIn because I, I posted um, who's still using um, GPT, MidJourney, etc. And oh, how yeah, often yeah. I posted this four days ago as a poll. It's had a couple of hundred people voting it. Um, so this is with the software dev community. So it's obviously a lot more biased to, to this sort of thing. But 52 yeah. percent of them are using it every single day. Um, twenty-three percent are using weekly, five percent are using monthly, and then twenty percent are never using. So, uh, more than fifty percent are using every single day. They're going to GPT, they're going to Midjourney, they're going to other platforms, and I, I'm using it every single day um, for a very small number of things. But what 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 are you using like GPT and AI tools for? Like what what kind of like copy. actual like, applications? Uh, yeah, email, like writing copy um you know that kind of thing a lot of a lot of just copywriting yeah yeah making yeah, briefs, like, copywriting coming up with like ideas. yeah, yeah like if you... i haven't i haven't mastered prompting like i probably suck at prompting um yeah it's a whole art form right it's just copy and pasting really from from other people's ideas that's what that's all i've done really i haven't invented any prompts <laughs> i've just taken you know Googled uh, cheat yeah, sheets yeah. And, and, and use those. But it, it's great for like YouTube video titles, like pop in your title and go, give me 10 variations of this and it will give you different versions. A lot of the time I'll, I'll pick that. It's great, like you say, for copywriting and emailing. Um, it's great in recruitment for CVs. If I've got a CV, yeah. which is perhaps really uh, relaxed and informal and they're applying for like a bank, I can put it into GPT and say, hey, make this more professional and it will turn the language into more of a, a serious tone, if, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So small number of activities, but I'm using it daily for those types of activities. Would you would you trust like um, AI if you could say like I want to take my wife and a kid and we want to go on um, a holiday somewhere? Um, would you trust AI to like make the whole arrangement? No, or I wouldn't. No, 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 no. <laughs> you you no. kind of could do it with like the plugins involved. Like you can, you know, sync it up to hotel booking websites and, and yeah. you know, uh, travel companies. I, I'm um, in the future and thinking, is that, is that, would you be okay um, in terms of just like handing your life over to this thing and, you know, no, <laughs> no, pro 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 probably not. But I mean, like, uh, eventually, the question, the, the the a good question would be like, will there become a point in our lifetimes where it becomes silly not to do that? Because if it's right. better than a human, if it's faster, if it's cheaper, yeah. if you know, if it knows you better than you know yourself, then I think it would be silly not to do that. But we're not there at that point yet. Like, it, we're just we're just yeah, not there no. yet. So I, I wouldn't no. do that right now. But who knows? Never say never. Uh, have you been in a self-driving car? Have you done that? Oh, many times. Yeah, yeah. So in, in the UK, we don't have them as common as like San Fran does. But, um, but yeah, I've, I've been lucky enough to try Cruise, um, obviously Tesla, um, and Z Zooks I've tried. Um, yeah, like incredible. Like the the AI, I, I like how it's moving like almost 
almost purely to AI driven at the moment, rather than relying on like lasers and, and sensors as well, which was a thing in the past. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the FSD, I think it's called, that Tesla self-driving is probably the most advanced AI tool in existence, way more advanced than GPT. Um, and yeah. self-driving cars are fascinating. I mean, like the tech is basically already there to the point where it's a lot safer to get into one of those things rather than a, you know, a, a human driving who could be drunk, could be tired, might, you know, just get distracted. The thing about AI is it doesn't take holidays. They don't take weekends. They don't get sick. You don't have right. to pay them, you know? So it's very much the future. And I, I see all Uber drivers, I see all truck drivers being replaced by self-driving tech in a very, very, very short period of time. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, people need to adapt to this. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Harry Stebbins. Who's the most interesting guest you've had on the pod? He was up there, definitely. I mean, he's a, you know, London based yeah, yeah. as well. So his, his office is not too far away from mine. Um, went there uh, a couple of weeks back. But I think probably the most, um, I mean, there's been a couple of conversations which I've really, really enjoyed. I interviewed uh, DHH, the creator of uh, Ruby on Rails, which oh, really? is a, yeah, very I'm popular. I like DHH. Yeah, he's a, you know, he's, he's, he's fantastic. He, he's built a technology which powers a large part of the internet businesses like Shopify. And... Yeah, big fan of uh, 37 Signals. Uh, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Hey, Basecamp, 37. Yeah, his, his entire thing. I've read loads of his books. He's great. Um, I interviewed uh, Peter Wang, who's a really well-known guy in the um, Python community. He We spoke about Lex Freeman earlier when we were talking about Walt. He was actually on Lex's podcast um, at one point as well. So Peter Wang, super interesting. Um and I really enjoyed a controversial guest that I had on called Craig Wright, who claims yeah, to be yeah. the Satoshi Nakamoto, the creator of Bitcoin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, re I read may... a book, his name was mentioned. I can't remember the title of the book. Yeah, I might he, the... he was fascinating because I got to meet him in person for like two hours. We had a, you know, a great debate um, and he raised some interesting points um, and uh, hopefully we can do a part two at some point. But yeah, I've had some, I've had some, Cool guests, and uh, I mean, there's probably many names I'm forgetting there, but those are probably some of the ones that like really stand out as as like great episodes. Yeah, I think I think going back to DHH, I think they they're like um, some of the stuff they do is just so good, like it's so um, common sense. But but yeah. but a, lo a lot of people kind of get caught up on in buzzwords and caught up in trends, and these guys just like they just put out so much good stuff, like. Um, it's just really good content. I, I respect him. Um, a lot of my respect for, for David comes from the fact that he, like me, likes to juggle many varied things. Well, I don't know the term, it's like yeah. polymath or whatever the, 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 yeah. the, the, the yeah. term is. Yeah. He like drives race cars, not, not like as a hobby he does it like at a professional level he's like a world-class you know like race car driver you know he's he's got the coolest office in the world i'm not sure if you've seen a picture of his I've office seen that, uh, that viral image of the, the yeah. office yeah pretty yeah sweet. and he's a cool guy we, we spoke a lot about his pivot to go back to on-prem from the cloud this is a little bit technical but a lot of people um everybody in the in the tech world wants everything on the cloud but there's a lot of drawbacks that that, that actually come from that from using aws and he um made a decision to essentially start hosting his own stuff on his own on own servers and we talked about that 
decision and why he's done that and why he's challenging uh, Andy Jassy and Amazon. And um, he, I think he did like a progress report recently. It'd been uh, you know six months or something of him of him doing it. And from what he says so far, it's it's been a massive success. So mm. you know he's he's definitely one of those like different thinkers. Um, Jason, his co-founder as well. Yeah. You know, same type of person. Me and uh, me and Jake, we often like say like who who be our dream guest uh, on the pod. Um, we've said it in the previously like who who would be your uh, like dream guest. I think it would probably have to be like like Elon Musk or somebody, man. Like there's, um, you know, like him or or hate him. I don't know what what your stance is, but the there's there's a few people that come around in in history, whether that's Edison or Einstein or Da Vinci. I think Musk's legacy will probably be one of those people. Um, I think whether that's Steve Jobs, whether that's Picasso, not many times you get an opportunity to speak to somebody like that throughout history and there's not many alive right now that i'd put in in, in that kind of camp um yeah. so i think you know he's alive he's, he's 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 there i mean he'd be he'd certainly be one of the up there if you had to pick someone from the uk who would you pick <laughs> put you on the spot um i think there's a lot of interesting stuff happening with with ai like like demis for example um He's doing uh, a lot of really interesting stuff with um, with Google and, and Deep, Deep Mind. Um, I think we're at a little bit of a disadvantage in the UK, to, to be completely honest. I, I was emailing with uh, the founder of Monzo, um, Tom, oh, recently, yeah. uh-huh. who uh, and he got into a bit of trouble because he he moved to Samfram. You know, you know, said, we had the we had the Revolut CMO on one of our first pods. Oh, He's cool, a Scottish cool. guy, actually, yeah. Yeah, no, cool. that was a really good episode. Yeah, very and similar he, to Monzo. They were rivals at one time. Yeah, so no, I, I had I had the CEO of Monzo on my podcast recently. Okay. Um, I was actually with his co-founder of his new venture uh, last night at an event that we were hosting. Um, and the when I was speaking with the founder of of Monzo, though, um, he it was about the fact that he had recently moved to San Fran because he said that the London and UK tech scene yeah. is is kind of tiny compared to, to the Valley. Yeah, in, in the He's absolutely right. I mean, the um, there's some very, very, very talented people in, in the UK, but the type of valuations that we get on companies and the type of ambition that's just generally seen yeah. here is, is is not what it is compared to America. So maybe maybe there'll be and a state. Well. We've talked about Brexit in our pod. It's like, it's... yeah. This, this is a whole other topic, but it's created a lot of cost as well. <laughs> sure, I, I don't know too much about it. To, to, to be honest, I, I um, know politics headlines, but I try to I try to kind of like yeah, specialize but... <laughs> in stuff that I'm that I'm good at, and like like leave the other stuff to the experts. Um, I don't know if Brexit is going to be good or bad, or has been good or bad. I think it's getting your own control over your own like laws and decisions. I think that's a good thing, but yeah. I don't. I think leaving like um you know partnerships and and you know whatever was in place i mean that that can have drawbacks as well right but um i maybe i'm not mr brexit i don't don't know enough about that to, <laughs> to have like an articulate opinion yeah i just hope i'm, I'm from scotland I, um, I just hope the uk stays together otherwise my, yeah. i'm gonna have to get a new passport which is gonna be a pain in the ass well, the, the Scots <laughs> had the vote didn't they a couple of years ago if you wanted oh. to stay or leave and uh, you voted to stay so i guess the majority shares your opinion right 
let's uh let's hang out when we're back in the uk like uh, i think jake's gonna go back in uh some i'm gonna go back something this year I'm, I'm so to get to scotland i have to go through london so okay i'll uh i'll hit you up when i'm in london really good conversation um as well hopefully uh next time you come on we'll get jake and we can get three of us yeah, no problem. I know we didn't really have too much of an agenda here, but hopefully we've managed That's to. That's the way we roll. That's the way we roll. Yeah, yeah. We just uh, we, we we go for everything. Anything goes. So cool, cool, man. Well, if people enjoy that, um, <laughs> I don't know who show names on the screens, but I put my website as, as my name. So I'll, if people can it'll see all that. be in the description. All okay, the description. awesome. Right. Ciao. See you guys ciao, later. Ciao. Thanks. Bye bye. Oh, 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 oh,